Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Great to have Dennis and Nolene join us this morning. I've had uh, I've seen Nolene. I think you led a few state conferences first, where a while back when I, I saw you lead worship, and I've ago. known Dennis. <laughs> I've known Dennis and Nolene for a number of years, and but to be honest, we, we sort of saw each other at conferences and different things, and hadn't got to spend a lot of time with them. And uh, it was only late last year I was at a, a regional CRC Pastors uh, Day, and uh, just really just enjoyed Dennis as he shared with those pastors and. Uh, this morning, it's a real joy to have him come and share the word with us. Uh, he was here yesterday with the worship team and just sharing with the team. And, and just his awareness of what Christ has done for us, his love for God just oozes out of everything he does. And it's a pleasure to have him come. He is uh, a, a um, now got to get it right, a civil engineer by, uh, by, by trade a long time ago and then planted the, the, what was the Springvale CRC Church. It's now the Kingston City Church that Dan Parker and those guys that uh, we, we know are from. And as uh, run C- uh, now I always get the initials wrong. It's Resource Christian Music. RCM, yeah, <laughs> Resource Christian Music uh, since the, the 80s and published thousands of songs, Christian worship, praise and worship songs and uh, I think it was part of helping launch Hillsong's original, uh, some of the original music as well. So let's give Dennis a welcome now as he comes to share with us. <laughs> Thanks so much, Andrew. It's a really del- delight to be here. And it's, uh, we have been here before, but such a long time ago when Ian Richardson was the pastor. I think we haven't been here since then. And uh, Ian Richardson, uh, so... He was a civil engineer, and he was one. I taught civil engineering at the Gordon Institute of Technology in Geelong. And he was one of my students, and uh, uh, and he was a good Baptist, and and uh, uh, and he was in there was a Christian fellowship there, and I got involved with it, and I asked a few of them to come to my study, and I'll play them some tapes of uh, ministers who had received the baptism of the Spirit and spoken in tongues. So he came in there, very 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 suspicious. And uh, first of all, there was a Methodist minister who had baptised in the Spirit and spoken in tongues. Then I think it was a Presbyterian and then a Baptist. And when that came up, he got closer to the microphone and listened. And at the end of that, he had a smile on his face and he said, if it's good enough for a Baptist, it's good enough for anyone. <laughs> and he, he got baptised in the Spirit. And uh, so then he went to Bible school in Adelaide and we came the year after him and uh, went through the same CSE Bible training course. So I, I like to think that, that uh, it's because of him you've got the building here, you know, and, that it, and it wouldn't have been but for that little incident back there. Who knows? Um, anyway, God bless you. It's just lovely to be here. And uh, I want to talk about praise and worship. Uh, before I do, there's some books at the back there that I've accumulated over the years. And uh, so they are for sale if you want those. Um, I'll start with talking about worship. So this worship is a bowl of noodles and it contains some of the things I'll be talking about today. Uh, Yeah, have a look at that. And um, there was an atheist convention in Melbourne uh, a few years ago. Do you remember the atheist convention? And I felt God say to me, your backyard, your watch. And uh, as as someone who was involved in publishing, 
I knew I could do something and I'm, I'm a Bible teacher, so I put together a newspaper which was a good handout for Christians to hand out to answer all the atheist questions. And we distributed 80,000 of those. So with that success, I thought I should expand it and put it in the form of a book, which I did that, uh, which is called I Was Wrong, Why the World's Most Notorious Atheist Called It Quits, Another Trouble for the New Atheism. And uh, uh, so we put that out. And that's, that's a really good book to give to people who are not believers, or for Christians, it's a great encouragement. Stories in there of people who got saved and all the answers to the questions that we have. Then also, very early in our lives, Nolan and I, our first two children, we had a first child died when he was a few months old and second one was still born at full term and great tragedy for us. And somebody gave us a book of a girl who had a vision of heaven in 1847. And this girl had a vision of heaven. She was unconscious for nine days and came back, told her pastor, and he put it in a book. And one of the things that happened there, she saw babies being cared for in heaven. It's beautiful, lovely, such an encouragement to us. And, uh, but it was written in terribly convoluted English, really hard to grasp, in beautiful English, lovely, great big words. Thank you. And uh, so I thought somebody one day is going to get things together and they're going to write this book in simple English. And I waited and waited and waited and no one did, so I thought, I'll do it. So Nolan and I, Nolan helped me and we put that out. And uh, that uh, we published in Australia. We sold about 7,000 copies in Australia and in America as well. And that's now sold about 80,000 copies. It's a really great and encouraging book. So um, if you'd like, um, those books are down the back too. Anybody in that understand that what it's like to lose a little child, a little baby. Any who's, yeah, know that? Yep. Have you got this book? No, there we go. You have that one. <laughs> it's such an encouragement. And uh, we've had many, many testimonies of people who have been encouraged by that book. All those books are $10 here in the back there. And I've got a little book of fundamentals called Awakening. And they're of Christian fundamentals. They're down there too. That's on, that one's $5. So I think that's, that will get us started here. Let's talk about praise and worship. Praise and worship on the screen. There we go. Praise and worship, that's our theme. When we did our first, when we started publishing our music books in 1981, people asked us to do praise and worship seminars. Nolan had arranged the music and here I am, I'm a pastor and I should know all about it. So we did and, uh, and learned a lot from that. And, he, and we did many seminars all around Victoria and New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland and other, Tasmania. Um, and uh, each time I learned a little bit more about this worship and I bought every book I could find and uh, gradually over the years, and it hasn't stopped, I've just learned more and more about praise and worship. And I want to share with you today the, the fundamental keys about praise and worship when you get it right down to the nitty-gritty, what is it that is important to us? All right, now first of all, the focus of praise and worship. We must start with that. Before we look at the, the elements of, of worship and, and the, break it down to bits and pieces, let's have a look at the focus. And uh, this is in Revelation chapter 1. And uh, John, has, John the Apostle has been taken up to heaven and uh, there he says, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. 
The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now there is the focus of our worship. We're not, and, and we need to, when we're, we're getting into worship and praise, need to understand to whom we are addressing our worship. It's not someone like the guy next door. It's not like someone like our Premier of Victoria. It's not someone like Scott Morrison, even if he's a Pentecostal. It's, it's someone drastically, drastically different. Even though he, he was a man, Jesus is dramatically above the, the people that we are. And, and uh, it helps if we can grasp that when we come to worship. If we can fill ourselves somehow, particularly from the Scripture, uh, and understand something of God, because it's hidden from us, as we know. And we tend to get into our natural thinking of people around us, that we're like them. So John was lucky. He had this vision of Jesus. But he's not the only one. And I'm always fascinated to hear of people, those very rare cases where someone has seen Jesus and he's appeared to them. And I've gathered three really, really good stories. Uh, one of them is Charles Finney. Who's heard of Charles Finney? Okay, not, okay, he was an evangelist back in 1850, marvellous evangelist. He was a sceptic, a lawyer, uh, but he was wrestling with God and this day he gave himself to God and he went back to his office and then this God hit him and he had this dramatic picture of Jesus. Uh, Jesus came there. He said it was just him. Uh, and he described that and he had a whole baptism of, of fire of the Spirit uh, he, he said, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. doesn't say what that was. It was probably speaking in tongues. Uh, there's another one, T.L. Osborne, a great evangelist. Who's heard of T.L. Osborne? He died not all that long ago. He had marvellous, marvellous campaigns uh, outside America. He was American and you have huge, you know, Africa and Asia and countries all around the world. Vast crowds would come. And uh, uh, he and his wife had gone to India as missionaries at about the age of 20. Came back with their tails between their legs because they didn't do any good. No one would listen to them. So he prayed and fasted and sought God. And then Jesus appeared to him. And, and you read that. Oh, and he said, my eyes were running. I wasn't conscious of crying, but my eyes were running rivers of water. This is a Jesus that we're worshipping. And I've got one. There's one more that I found from a guy named Mike Hicks. Who's read his book, Mike Hicks, I Dare You, God? Anybody read that? Yeah, just a few. Marvellous book, if you can get a copy of that. But he had a vision of Jesus. Jesus appeared to him when he was camping at the Grand Canyon, at um, the uh, Grampians, Grampians. And uh, in the middle of the night, he was in, a, in his caravan and other family members in the, in the van and God led, and he led him outside. And there it says, he said, there seated on a white piano stool, uh, except the ends were upholstered in a rolled over fashion. Imagine that out in the Grampians. Then Jesus was Jesus. Then Jesus spoke. Oh, how I shall always remember his eyes. 
When people have visions of Jesus, often they talk about his eyes. Warm eyes, yet stern with discipline in them. Searching eyes. There was no way you could look anywhere except straight into them. Having done that, you were bare. Not one thought, not a single secret could be hidden from Jesus. There was steel in his voice, yet love. There was truth that seemed to penetrate to the very fibre of your being. The words seemed to pour over me like warm honey, yet searched every thought. That's when we come to worship God, we've got to bring, try and bring our understanding to the magnitude of God and Jesus whom we are worshipping. That's our, that's our first step. If we can do that, it's a whole lot easier. And uh, like I said, one of the best ways is to, to read the Bible. If you're worshipping at home, you want to have a time of worship. Read the Bible first. It, it, that's the... It's revealing God, you see. It's revealing God to you by the Spirit. And that can uh, enhance your process of worship. All right, so let's look at worship in heaven. What is worship in heaven like? And uh, there's a passage here we'll look, look through. It says, I, this is John again in chapter 5 in Revelation. I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, they encircled the throne. This was some picture. Tens of thousands of angels encircling the throne. See, they don't need a revelation of Jesus. They can see Jesus. It's all revealed when you're in heaven. We see by faith. You know, they understand the difference. It's all the same, but we just can't see it. They can see it, and so, uh, and, and there's no doubt about it. And then they all concentrate on the best thing in heaven, the throne and God upon it and Jesus standing at the right hand. Uh, they encircle the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, what do they say in heaven? Look at this. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. The elders fell down and worshipped. The thousands and thousands and thousands of angels and others there in heaven, and they're absolutely engrossed with Jesus. That's, what, that's the highest, that's the epitome of, of heaven. Heaven's a marvellous place, but the highest point when they want to go and do the very, very best thing is they go and see Jesus. See, it'll be when you get to heaven, what do we do today? It's like you'll say, let's go and see Jesus. He's just, we can't begin to imagine, but that's the case. We're going to see this, as I said, by faith. There'll be no navel gazing in heaven, no, no, uh, no questions. To be asked, we'll ask, you know, sometimes you think, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. No way. Good luck with that. Good luck. No way. Every mouth will be shut. And every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's all that matters. So worship is seeing him, Jesus and God, and responding to that, 
All right, but let's now be a bit down to earth and break it down. What is, what is worship? What is worshipping? And basically the, the worship we're looking at is it's homage. It, it's based on a Greek word that means to do homage. It's based on a, green, a Greek word that says is called uh, proskunio, proskunio. The pro means towards and the skunio means to kiss. So it, it's this sort of thing that you have a person there. It doesn't have to be God. You can do homage to anybody. And it's you're kissing the hand or so you go, kiss your hand and go like that. That's the, that's what's, that's the essence of the Greek word for worship. So we're paying homage to God. Now, homage has got four steps, four parts to it. Uh, just If you look it up in a dictionary, this is the kind of thing you get. First of all, it's acknowledgement of supremacy, that God is supreme. Secondly, it's a giving of allegiance to God. Thirdly, with an attitude of reverence or respect. And fourthly, with, with affection or love. So here I've got some pictures and we have these next slides. Here's supremacy. And there's, uh, can you see that? So there's God uh, up there, a picture of God. And there's a little dot right down where he's directing those lightning strikes, a little dot there. And that's this guy, an expanded view. And he's got his sword and he's laid it before God. All right? Supremacy. He's saying, God, you are the boss, not me. Here's my sword. I give up. Okay? Acknowledging God as supreme. That's the first thing. Second thing is that we give allegiance. There he is now. Uh, oh, sorry, that's, that's the sword thing there. Yes, it is. No. There, there it is. Hard to see. All right. He's right down close um, at, this, at this point. First party is bowing, second party is given his sword. That's allegiance. I'm on your side, God. I'm not fighting you. I'm with you. And the third one is reverence. So he's bowing down uh, with an attitude of reverence. It's not rebellion. You see, you could give allegiance and be rebellious, couldn't you? You could say, okay, you're the boss, but I hate you. <laughs> I'm not going gonna, gonna, gonna to be fighting you all the way under my breath. <clears throat> and, and the last one is love. So there he is, heart of love towards God. So they're the elements of worship. But basically, it's a, a reaffirmation of our commitment to God. When we became a Christian, we said, okay, God, I will do it your way. I, I accept your rules. I, I repent of my sins. I will do my best to overcome them. I receive your gift of forgiveness, and you are my Lord. The worship when I, the worship means to reaffirm that. When we worship God and give him homage, we're reaffirming that. And that's a great thing to do. We continually reaffirm our worship to God. So we talk about praise and worship. Praise and worship, that's worship. What is praise, the next thing. And uh, the definition of that is a lot simpler. Um, it's, it's got three, three ingredients. It's to say good things... First thing, about God and his attributes and what he has done, his works. Now, his attributes are many, many, and they're up there on the, on the screen, but, uh, and, uh, and there's a whole raft of them. He's, read some of them, I can see them here. He's merciful, he's transcendent, omniscient, gracious, forgiving, trustworthy, eternal, infallible, all-powerful, Righteous, self-existing, 
That's all the attributes of God. And uh, so praise, praise includes saying to God, you are infallible. God, you're an infallible God. You can't fail and I can trust in you. I trust in you because you are infallible. When we say to God, you are infallible and that's good, that is simple praise. Um, now, the other thing is his works, God's works. Next slide. <clears throat> and uh, they are threefold. Uh, his works are creation. He created the heavens and the earth. Secondly, redemption, dying on the cross to buy us back to him, to rescue us and make us uh, sons and daughters with whom we have fellowship. And miracles, they are the works of God. So, so when we are praising, we, we try, we, we draw our attention to these things. As I said before, if you read the Bible, you want to have a time of praise, it's good to read the Bible and you see, you're reminded and you've got the Spirit helping you of all the wonders of God, of all the glories of his nature and the things that he has done. And then you can bring that praise to God. I was talking yesterday to the worship team and how uh, uh, songs, the best songs are those that focus on God and who he is and what he has done. Because there are other songs too which are uh, often about our experience of God. The songs that really um, seem to gel with us are the songs of praise. But they're not so, not so common. I did a study once of uh, 300 songs. I analysed 300 songs. Uh, on CDs that were sent to us for consideration for our book, or we, which we had bought, and I found that 14% of songs had, were completely God-focused. So it's hard to write a song about God. It's easier to write about your experience of God. And uh, you've got to search for those songs. So they're there, but they're not so, not so common. But they are the songs that really, really work. And I, now I'll tell you why now. The mighty truth about praise, and that is that praise brings an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So praise brings an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'd always kind of noticed that, but then as I looked through the Bible, I found more and more examples of places where people praised God and God responded with the Holy Spirit or with gifts of the Spirit. And so we've got this little guy here. Can we have that picture up again? Just go back. So there's this little guy, and he's the minister in church, all right? So I've kind of made it look a bit like this. So the minister, he's got a lever there, and when the lever's up the top, it says, Holy Spirit's not here. And when it's down the bottom, it says, Holy Spirit here. And praise is a bit lo almost like that. When you praise God, he, he just doesn't sit up there and say, yeah, so you should. Not like that at all. He looks down there, he sees his children praising him. They, they, they understand who he is and what he's done for them. And it touches his heart. And how does he respond? The, the thing, the way God is, is helping us on this world today is the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus went up there, passed the baton, and the Holy Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit's with us. He's our helper. And we love the Holy Spirit. He's glorious. And God rewards us by sending the Holy Spirit. When we praise God, the Holy Spirit comes. And this is why, and I think probably everybody would know what I'm talking about, 
When we have a good time of praise and worship, we sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we sense that presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit responds to our praise. Now that's great when we're worshipping like this and remember that for when you're at home or in your car and you've got problems. To get away and praise God, to praise God. When you, you know, we all have these times of the evil day when things go wrong and you feel depressed and the devil's getting you and you don't know how to break out of this. And a great way, is a marvellous way, is to bring praise to God. Get your Bible, make yourself read it. You've got to dis- make yourself, force yourself into that. This is where my answer comes. And as you read that, then you start to respond to that in your heart. God, you're good with the praise. The Holy Spirit comes down and, and then that, those things dissolve away. God responding to our praise. A glorious truth. I think in, in all the study that I've done on praise and worship, this to me is the gem that's most, most important to me personally. I can see that now. When we praise God, then the Holy Spirit comes down. His Spirit comes, and He's glorious, marvelous. He's one of the Trinity. Oh, here's some examples. Saul, while he was searching for his father's donkeys, and uh, Saul, he's he's given some directions from the prophet Samuel, and Samuel says, "Okay, Saul, I want you to go to Gibeah," and he said. You'll meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them. Okay? So they're playing these instruments. Now they're not singing one of the songs from the, the latest top 40. They're not singing Gilbert and Sullivan. What are they singing? Prophets. They'll be singing songs of praise to God. That's their spiritual people. So they're singing. They've got these instruments and they'll be bringing praise to God. And look what happens when he says, and they'll be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you'll be changed into a different person. So there's these prophets together, and they are praising God with these instruments. And the Spirit of God comes down on them, and there's results. There's a prophetic gift, and then Saul is changed into a different person. Here's another one, Jedithan. Jedithan, and it says that he prophesied using the harp in thanking and praising the Lord. Does that sound a bit odd to you? How do you, how do you, how do you praise God with the harp? But, you know, once again there, the songs of praise. He's, he's got, he must have been singing some words to God, not just playing anything. And words of, songs of praise to God and the Holy Spirit responds, and what happens? He prophesies. See the link there? Praise, the prophetic gift, that's from the Holy Spirit. You put these things together. Then there's another one. Saul, it says, was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Similar thing. David's often in his house playing the harp. And uh, so... Uh, uh, Saul is prophesying. The Spirit coming down from David playing the harp and Saul gets the dose of that spirit and he begins prophesying. When, when this became a lot clearer to me, I learned the guitar a long time ago when Nolan and I were married. She won a singing competition or a prize in a singing competition and she bought a guitar, got three free lessons 
and, uh, and uh, took two of them and she could play the guitar. I thought, she can do that, I can too. So uh, she taught me what she knew and I, and I loved it. And, uh, but I hadn't played it much for many years. But when, when this became clearer to me, then I fished this out, guitar, and I keep it out all the time now. And I usually play at least once a day and, and twice. And for this reason, that I know the Holy Spirit comes on me when I do that. Now, you don't have to play the guitar. You can walk around singing songs of praise, you know, or you can walk around praising. But that, I got into that habit because of, I understood this. And I, and I want the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's great. We're entitled to the Holy Spirit. God wants us to have the Holy Spirit. And this is how I, I, I get this upon me. So if I go, we're going to start a day's work, then, and, and I'll, particularly if I'm down or feeling a bit tired, then I'll get to spend some time there and play a few songs. And then I, I just sense that Holy Spirit. Isn't God good? Simple way, praise, and the Holy Spirit comes. Okay. All right. Well, we're just getting low on time. We'll we'll move that over to praise in the spirit. A few slides on praise in the spirit. <clears throat> and Paul, in talking about speaking in tongues, and Paul says, "I'll pray with my spirit in tongues, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I also sing with my understanding. When he talks about singing or praying in the spirit, he's talking about praying in tongues. And he does both. He prays in his own language and he prays in tongues. He sings in his own language and he sings in tongues. And it's interesting that Paul says, I thank God to these Corinthians who are really going overboard on this gift of tongues. And he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He, he recognised some value in this gift. And, uh, uh, and he, he saw the, the value of praise in, in this. He said, did I read this? He said, otherwise, when you are praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? See that? Speaking in tongues and singing in tongues is praise and thanksgiving. Now, here is a marvellous way if we can bring praise to God, we're already under the Spirit and enhances that experience of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm saying here that there's this enormous benefit to us when we bring praise to God and the Holy Spirit comes down. That's not our goal. Our goal is to worship and praise God. Do you understand that? There is an end in itself when we bring praise to God. It's right that we bring praise to God. I don't want to leave you with the impression that say we ought to praise God so that we can get the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? God is glorious and great and he deserves praise and it's right that we should praise him. We go in with that attitude and the back of our mind is there also that the Holy Spirit will come and we'd be ready for that. But our, our focus is on bringing glory and honour to God for who he is and what he's done. And the... Uh, the last point here is that, that praise also, when the Holy Spirit comes, one of the things that happens with that is deliverance. And there's, there's several stories in the Bible. It's Jehoshaphat who went out with his army. He was in the, a city and the enemy, enemy were coming against it and he was in big trouble. And the prophets came to him and they prayed and, and then Jehoshaphat said, okay, when you go out and fight them, but when the army marches out tomorrow, choir, you go in front. 
You'd hate to be in the choir in those days, a dangerous occupation. So they're right at the front going out to tackle them. And the Bible says, as they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord sent ambushes against them. And the enemy was routed. It was their praise. They sang songs of praise. And then God responded and brings deliverance in praise. Uh, Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, you know, it says that at midnight, remember what they were doing at midnight? They were singing hymns to God while they were tied up in their chains and all the prisoners were listening. And while they were singing these hymns to praise, and they'd be, they'd be songs of praise, praise, Holy Spirit, deliverance. You can expect deliverance in, in praise. If you're involved in deliverance ministry and you're having struggling with a demon, stop and praise God. Stop and praise God and get deliverance. Uh, there's one other passage here that the... The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness or despair. See, when you're depressed, praise is a key answer. I want to finish with a story of our, of our granddaughter. Uh, we have a granddaughter who is 14, but she has a mental disability. She has a, 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 an age of mental age of about two or two and a bit. And uh, she, uh, sometimes her parents take her to a, uh, a church where they just, they, they do what's, what's going to happen tonight. You know, they just, in that time of prayer and worship, they just worship God and the Holy Spirit comes down. They spend a lot of time doing that. And she loves to go to these meetings and she loves to get up on the stage. So remember, she's got a mental ability of about two, and she'd get up on the stage and want to sing, you know. If there's people being prayed for, she'd come up and want to lay hands on them. She's just very sensitive to the Spirit. And uh, uh, so, and she's like that. I mean, she's very difficult to manage. She'll have meltdowns sometimes. Very, very difficult. Uh, poor kid. Um, <clears throat> but when she's, when, when uh, there's these times she has when she's like that. And um, so, our daughter sent us this clip, um, and she, the daughter said, do you, what do you see, Summer? And did, tell us about the angel. And, and she said, think about this, folks. When you, people who see an angel in the Bible, what's the first thing the angel says to you? Anyone know? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, all right? Keep that in mind. And uh, this girl, her English is just um, a little bit short. Okay, can we have that clip? And this is Summer. Summer, her name what is. What did you say, Summer? Don't frighten, don't frighten. And you said, don't afraid. And where did you see the angel, Summer? Big wings, you said. Big wings. Big powers. Wow. And was the angel in your bedroom? Um, or yeah. was the angel outside? Where was the angel? A angel, angel said, sky. Oh. And what did the angel say? Okay. Yeah. Angel said, darn afraid. Don't afraid, Jesus said, 
darn fright. Jesus King. That's right. I rang her, we rang her up a couple of weeks after this and uh, it was her birthday a couple of weeks after and we told her happy birthday, what did you get for your birthday and so on and then I said, Summer, uh, when we had all finished, I said, Summer, do you see an angel? And she said, oh, don't afraid, don't afraid. You know, you can ask questions but you just get limited responses. But she's a person who just loves to worship God and the Holy Spirit must come upon her and then here's this, this marvellous, marvellous thing that happened. When we worship God, thing, you know, the Holy Spirit responds and, and, uh, and God is real and there's, and there's tangible things happen. And uh, so let's just let go right back there that God is great. Jesus is great. God, give us a revelation of him and who he is. And Lord, may we respond to you with the praise of which you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.